Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. It is 6 a.m. on the West Coast and uh, 9 a.m. on the East Coast. And some, somewhere in between is where you are if you live in the, the Midwest or the, the Mountain States. Uh, my name is Rick Napier. I'm the host at Real People USA or Real People for Republicans. I think I call it the show something like and I hit the save button. So it's Real People USA. And uh, Real People USA, we are so delighted today to have a guest on the show, and her name is Cheryl Erickson, and she's running for the, uh, she's an Illinois Republican governor candidate, and I uh, can't wait to let you hear what Cheryl has to say regarding the state of Illinois and the rest of our country, and I just want to give people an intro to Real People USA. Uh, Real People USA started about this time last year just to, as a, a platform just to talk to real people. And I think I started it because, you know, Trump's election was stolen. And I said, okay, let's hear from real people across the country. Now, in, in between that time, I had just finished interviewing about maybe 60 days ago, right before the election, a South Florida candidate. His name is Reuben Young, awesome guy. He's running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And uh, his podcast uh, show got about a thousand views or a thousand listens in about uh, three weeks. And that was just incredible. So Reuben, he did not win his um, clerk of the court race in Miami-Dade County. Well, actually, probably did. But you know how things go with Democrats. I mean, you win, but you end up losing like in the morning or something. Two o'clock in the morning, you end up losing. And that's what happened to Donald Trump. So uh, one of my um, consultant friends contacted me and said, hey, Ruben needs some help with uh, something regarding his campaign. And we started talking and then uh, I just started, you know, listening to what he was doing and, and watching and learning what he was doing. So I started helping him with some uh, some items regarding campaigning. And that, that, then that just led to, you know, Real People USA becoming a uh, legal entity. And it also led to uh, the, the organization uh, reaching out to a lot more, you know, candidates at the governor level, the state level, and the congressional level. And I let people know that Real People USA, uh, we are not a PAC, a political action committee. Real People USA is a coaching and like sort of mentoring and development organization. Uh, my background, I used to work in Fortune, at a Fortune 500 company in Los Angeles as a, a senior executive, senior sales executive, uh, selling health insurance to uh, Californians. And I also ended up selling to and, and working with different um, businesses outside of California at the same company. So how I look at this campaigning uh, venture is a little different than most uh, being a sales executive. I look at campaigning as running a business with a great product, with products that are worth millions and billions of dollars, which are, you know, taxpayer money and how the government, you know, national government, state government, you know, state 
uh, state, local government, how they spend that money. And I can tell you that, um, you know, just looking at how things are going, you know, the, the GOP needs some help. So without further delay, I would like to welcome to the Real People USA for Real Republicans, Cheryl. Good morning, Cheryl. How are you doing? Good morning, Rick. I'm doing wonderful, and I appreciate and thank you very much for having me on today. Yes, well, uh, you're more than just, it's more than just having you on. Um, I have decided, and you have decided, that I should be your campaign manager. Absolutely. So so can you, so I was telling, um, I think I told you before, or mentioned it before, I want this to be a very informal, light-hearted show, because Christmas is about uh, four days away, today's Tuesday. So please tell the audience how we met. Well, I when I decided to throw my hat into the ring for governor, um, I had tried to set up everything I could to get it started. And I reached out to a friend of mine who I've known for over 20 years to be my campaign manager. Him and I have always been very close as far as uh, political, playing online games even, you know, stuff like that. And he's also a web designer. So I called him up and I said, hey, you know, Mike, I'm running for for uh, governor and I'd like to get you on board with me. And he's like, was so excited and, and <clears throat> eager to, you know, get on board with me. And he said he would do my website and so forth and so on. He said, but keep in mind, uh, I recently have had some, you know, health issues. So I, I may not be, uh, you know, as fast or as, as efficient as I was in the past. And he's like, hey, no problem. So we got to setting everything up and and whatnot, and it went several weeks without me hearing from him, and I got worried. So I finally got a hold of him, and he said, you know, he says, I'm sorry, he says, but with my health issues, I'm not able to do this. And I'm like, okay, so more or less, my campaign manager bailed on me. So I've never done this before. I'm learning as I go, and I'm I'm, I'm, uh, very excited about doing this, so I was reaching out to several people to try to get me a campaign manager, try to help me get on track and so forth. And uh, one night, uh, uh, a gentleman sent me a text who had done my original website. He sent me a text, you need to get a hold of this guy, which was Rick Napier. And, you know, he's he, this is the text he sent. So I reached out within five minutes and one thing led to another and you are now my campaign manager. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an awesome a story because, and I want to commend you for stepping up to the plate. Now, Cheryl, please introduce yourself and just talk about what you have done in your life uh, as a military, a army military veteran, uh, fire firefighter, and a person who is a uh, animal rescue uh, aficionado. I'll just call you that because I know you have <laughs> you have several dogs. Yes, I do. Um, I I pretty much uh, have been into animal advocacy ever since I was a little girl. I was I, I was actually born on Long Island, New York, but my parents were divorced when I was a, a baby, and my stepfather moved us to Colorado. So I was, we were on a, a little ten acre farm. I was raised with lots of animals. I've always had a love of animals. So I've always had a love of helping people. I like to try to make people uh, happy. I like to try to make people comfortable. Um, and I've always dreamed, you know, that I actually I wanted to be a firefighter and a doctor. And I remember when I was in high school, 
uh, a senior in high school, we had career day, and that's where all of the different entities would come to the high school, and they would talk on their profession and so forth. And there was this firefighter there, I remember distinctly. They handed out these papers, and you put on there what you wanted to be, and I put firefighter slash veterinarian. And he got a kick out of that. He says, well, he says, I've never really heard of a college where it teaches you firefighter veterinarian, maybe firefighter and then veterinarian, but you can't be both, you know, going to college. He says, have you ever thought about being a firefighter paramedic? He says, it's the same thing, only you're helping people instead of animals. And I'm like, okay, well, I could try that. So I eventually ended up, when I graduated high school in 1981, uh, in, in, in Colorado, I, I joined the military at 17 and I went into the military as a combat photographer. Now, here I am going from firefighter uh, uh, paramedic, wanting to be a firefighter paramedic to a combat photographer. And what that is, is where when you watch like the John Wayne movies and whatnot, you see the actual battle footage that's taken from an actual combat photographer during that era. That's what my job was. Um, and when I joined the military in 81, uh, I was stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, and I ended up meeting my husband, uh, which uh, I'm still with, uh, 39, almost 40 years. And uh, when we got married, I ended up going to Germany, and I was stationed at 7th Corps Stuttgart as a video TV production coordinator. Uh, we designed, operated, and repaired the closed-circuit television system for 7th Corps. Um, when I got out of the service, however, I I figured you know he I, I was gonna, I wanted to make a career out of the service when I first got on, or when I first joined. But I met my husband, and one thing led to another. I ended up getting stationed in Germany without him. So I thought, well, he's he's been in the military longer. He can play GI Joe. I'll get out and start a family, you know. So um, I got out of the service, went back to Washington with him. Then that's where I had my son, and we eventually were stationed back in Germany. And when we got done with our tour in Germany, we were stationed, he, he, he got orders to go to St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, but at the time in 1989, Illinois was the cheaper uh, side to live on, you know, across the river. So that's what brings me here to Illinois. So once I got here, I applied to several fire departments and uh, in Illinois. And I eventually got onto a fire department back in 1992. I went to college for fire science and paramedic. I am now currently semi-retired as a firefighter, but I'm licensed, current, current license for, for intermediate paramedic. Um, in 2009, I continued with my dream uh, for animals, and that's when I became a advocate for pit bulls. Um, I have several dogs, I ha and, and, mo and they're all rescues. I have a pit bull that's a rescue, and I just basically, you know, have served my, I, I, to this point, I've, I've been all my life since I was 17. I always tell everybody when I got married at 19, I always tell everybody that I'm 19 years old with 39 years experience. That kind of helps <laughs> me realize, you know, <laughs> I've been married my entire adult life and I've learned every day. I learned something new being, you know, I, my, my husband's eight years older than I am. So he, he, he pretty much teases, you know, teases me, you know, like, okay, well, goofball, he calls me, you know, sometimes and, and tells me that I need to, you know, learn something new every day. And it's like, yes, I have. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, 
have always wanted to help people. I've always wanted to help animals. I, I feel that especially animals are the underdog. Um, and and the, the taxpayers who are being you know, uh, penalized and so forth, they're pretty much the underdogs as well. So I've always been a person that tries to help the underdog. Um, and like I said, I've been an EMT intermediate paramedic since 1993 when I got my license. I went to college for that. And since then, I've had six clinical saves as well. I've, uh, that's where I've made CPR count. I've, and six people are alive today. Uh, which I'm very proud of, um, and you know, I, I just to to get out with the community, and you know, my entire entire life, I've served my community and served my country, and and it brings us to where we are today. All righty, all righty. So, yeah. So I guess you didn't read the fine print on the enlistment contract when you said firefighter and uh, and uh, veter- veterinarian. You ended up as a combat photographer. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. And actually, yeah. actually, when I when I joined, I wanted to join the Navy at first. Um, that was my my. You I had my heart set door. on joining. Yes, I did. But sure. there, there's a little bit you of a went story the wrong there. Door. <laughs> right. I mean, what? Well, when I joined the Navy, my my stepfather was very good friends with the Navy recruiter. And back then, in 1981, if the recruiter didn't make a quota. They weren't going to be a recruiter anymore. They would boot them out, you know, send them someplace else. Well, you're not doing very good at this job. We don't want you and so forth. So when I went into the Navy recruiter office, I was 16, and they told me I had to take this naval equivalency test of a high school diploma test, and I had to get a 30 out of 30. Well, when I went in to take this test, my stepfather's buddy was off on emergency leave, and the guy that was there uh, replacing him temporarily didn't like being recruited so he felt if I don't get my quota they're going to kick me out and that's what I want so when I took this test I missed it by one point and he said oh well now you got to wait six months well I'm getting ready to graduate I didn't want to wait six months so I went to the Air Force and the Air Force told me well we're not offering any waivers for glasses right now come back in six months and see us so I went to the uh, uh, Marines and Marine they told Corps. me that well yeah, I went to the Marines, and they said, oh, well, I had just gotten over a, a cold or something or whatever, and I didn't pass the physical with my with my ears. There was some infection, I guess, still in my ears, and oh, no, well, you got to wait till you get better. Well, here, I'm, I'm, I'm 16 years old. I'm ready to go. So I went to the to Coast Guard, and I had a couple of traffic tickets when I was a kid. I mean, what teenager does it when they first get their license? And when I told the Coast Guard, you know, he says, do you have any trouble with, with, with the law? He says, or, or, you know, do you have any traffic tickets? And I told him, and, and when I got to the one where it was not yielding the right of way or something, uh, he hung up on me. I'm like, okay, I guess the Coast Guard don't want me either. So when I went to the Army, the Army said, sign here, and I did. So, I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just one of them things where my fa- grandfather told me to use the Army as a last resort, and that's what I did. But the experiences that I got in the Army were, were tremendous. I, I would not cha- change them for anything. Nothing. I, I got it. Man, I want to thank you for your service. And uh, like yourself, I'm also a military veteran of uh, the United States Air Force, and I was a combat communication specialist. And uh, so I, so we have us, we have a lot in common, Cheryl. You know, military people do not want to see this country fail. I mean, and so I mean, so you stepped up to the plate, and just by accident, you know, starting Real People USA, we met. So here's my next question, and I want to let people know that if um, 
If you have a question for Cheryl, you can call in at uh, 515-602-9714. That's 515-602-9714. Cheryl, here is the next question. You know, you're, 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 you're sitting back at home there in southwest uh, Illinois, looking right into the, the St. Louis area, right across the river. Why did you why did you decide to run? That's a really good question because I've often asked myself what took me so long to, to decide to run, mm. actually. Um, I'm just getting tired. You know, my daughter was born here. My daughter was born and raised here. This is her home, okay? My son was raised here. When we came back from Germany and were stationed here, he was only four years old. And now he's, you know, in his 30s. So my kids were born and pretty much raised here. And to see their home continually spiral down the drain because of the high taxes, the high crime, the, the, everything that's going on. I mean, it's been far too long that the citizens of Illinois and around the country, you know, that they've been under the control of, of, of communistic rule of the left. And I just felt it was time that their, vo- it was time their voices be heard. So, you know, I stepped up and, and we need to rid this state. I mean, my daughter, even had to leave the state because she felt that, you know, with the high crime rate, the, the high unemployment, the high inflation of the state, the taxes, everything, she could, after high school, she couldn't make a living here, you know, working at these little, uh, uh, dead end jobs and so forth, she, and so forth. So she ended up moving to Indiana. So, you know, I mean, when I was 17, I left Colorado because I wanted to. I left Colorado to join the military and see the world. My daughter left her home state because she couldn't survive here. And that that kind of breaks my heart to see, you know, and I know there's so many more other family members who are suffering from this. There's so many other hardworking parents that are struggling to serve, you know, to, to provide for their families. And so I just felt it was time that, that we, we, that I step up and say, Hey, look, this isn't going to happen anymore. So, so who is the governor of Illinois right now? J.B. Pritzker. What a piece of work. Yes, he is. But you know he, what though? But you know what though? In every Democrat city, without fail, that's a Democrat large uh, metropolitan area. JB, whether it be JB Pritzker or here, and I didn't, I didn't let people know I'm, I'm broadcasting from somewhere between San Francisco and uh, Sacramento. Every place where a Democrat governor is running, everything's screwed up. Washington yes, State, is. Democrat governor. Oregon, uh, Democrat governor. California, off the chain, you know, uh, pain, misery, and destruction. And it's not because these people are incompetent. You got to think some of these people have degrees from great colleges and universities, yet the states that they manage, and that's the key word, manage. I mean, I'm, I'm quite sure that some of the, the, the courses that they took in college, like how to be a great manager, how to have uh, your, your incoming revenues uh, be higher than your, expense, your expenditures. I mean, to have a, I know, I know states don't necessarily have a profit because they, they don't make a product or service, but uh, your state shouldn't be in the hole with this high crime. Here in San Francisco, you would not believe what's happening here in San Francisco. I would not, Cheryl, I would not invite my worst enemy to come to San Francisco under 
the, the, the leadership or the lack of leadership of, of Gavin Newsom. So I want to uh, let people know if you want to support Cheryl, her website is ericksonforgovernor.net, ericksonforgovernor.net, and how you can support Cheryl. And Cheryl and Real People USA, yours truly, Rick Napier, we have a very uh, insp- inspirational and motivating campaign um, uh, strategy which we, 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 will, we will not uh, unfold that strategy on the air because it's our strategy. But if you want to talk to Cheryl, like on a, on a six-minute uh, podcast that's, that will be recorded, please donate $50 to, a cam- to her campaign. If you want to do a 25-minute – I'm sorry, a $25 donation for a two- to three-minute recording so we can let uh, everyone else in Illinois and around the country know what Illinois people are talking about. Go to the website, go to her platform item, and there's a way to work with Cheryl. By the way, Cheryl wants to work for the donation. Cheryl, that's another thing I didn't tell you is that when I was looking at this thing, I discovered that a lot of candidates are running for the money. And that sickens me. That sickens me. So you have people, you 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 have residents. Of the, or, or you know, citizens of, of the United States, residents of states, saying, "I want this man or woman to represent me at the state level, uh, state rep level, at the state governor level, at the national level." And many people are running just to enrich themselves. That makes me sick to my stomach. Okay, so listeners, if you're listening in. I want you to know that Cheryl, it will work for your donation, and you will see that you know as we continue, as we get past these Christmas holidays. Uh, Cheryl Erickson, Erickson for governor for Illinois. We're going to go into high gear. We do have a strategy. The strategy is to work for the people, not collect you know five hundred thousand in donations, several million dollars in donations, and 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 Cheryl, you're riding around in the Maserati. And, and hiding out on social media. No, Cheryl is going to work for the Amer- for the American people and for the people of Illinois. So, um, so Cheryl, you, you mentioned J.B. Pritzker, and I know that you talked about just some of the uh, devastation that's going on uh, in the biggest city of of, uh, of Illinois, where the, I guess the most people sort of centrally live, which is Chicago. Please talk about. You know how that looks. I mean, every year the American people hear about the rising, you know, crime rate, the number of killings every year. It's almost like uh, it's almost like each year is trying to be higher than the previous year. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, the crime rate is is just out of control. I mean, it it, it gets to the point where sometimes I don't even want to turn on the news. It, it reminds me of that that Anne Murray song from years ago, uh, a little good news. And we're not getting any little good news. You get the Democrats that are throwing uh, people under the bus. They're they're letting this crime happen. And they're more worried about their socialist agenda to where they allow illegals to come into the country, where they're giving them free room and board. They're, they're giving them $400,000 per family. But what about the people in, in, in Chicago, for example, where the crime is just out of control? 
No, in Chicago, you have a mayor that sits there and throws the business owners under the bus and saying it's their fault because they are uh, not hiring security. But yet the Democrats wanted to defund the police and they're not letting the police do their jobs. You got Kim Fox who, who ends up, you know, where she's releasing these these uh, criminals. You get criminals that are released that, that have been arrested 35 times and released 35 times only to commit the crimes over and over and over again. You get a little, you get children getting haircuts in their house at night and being killed by a stray bullet. You got children sitting in cars at McDonald's and getting killed, waiting for their Happy Meal. This, this, this crime is just out of control and something needs to be done about it. Instead of worrying about people that are coming across the border illegally and worrying about the gangs and so forth, put your, we need to put our foot down. We need to start showing the people of Illinois, we need to start showing the people of this country that we are not going to take this anymore. We are going to stand up against crime and we are going to show these people that we mean business. That's right. That's right. And for people who may not detect it, I'm a black male. I'm a black male who grew up in the state of Florida, the free state. Isn't that something to have a state be designated as a free state? Governor Ron DeSantis is doing fine, and we will definitely reach out, reach out to Governor Ron DeSantis uh, for an endorsement. But I grew up in the state of Florida. Uh, my mother, my mother's side of the family is from Cuba. My father's side of the family is from Haiti. And I, when I saw this, Cheryl, let me, let me let you know something. In 1991, when I was studying uh, economics in college, I had a few more classes to take before graduation. And one of these classes, it was an essay where I had to write this paper, What If Communism Ever Came to America? Now, in 1991, I thought that would be just a fantasy. I said, let me write this paper and let me just go to the extremes you know, if you know what I'm saying, let me go to the extremes about writing what if communism ever hit America. So I talked about a lot of different things and um, you know, studying economics, by the way, you get to learn about the Bolshevik Revolution. I recommend every person listening to this, um, this show look up the Bolshevik Revolution that started in 1917. And, uh, and, 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 and then officially 1922, the Bolsheviks uh, ran that nation in, in Russia. And he transformed Russia from Russia into the Soviet Union, where the Soviet Union controlled about, I think, about 15 to maybe 19 countries from 1922 up until Ronald Reagan said, tear these walls down. So the Bolshevik Revolution is is what happened the bolshevik revolution tricked the russian people just like the democrats are trying to trick trick the american people uh the bolsheviks said russian people we know you're tired of fighting wars and some other stuff we're going to guarantee you peace land and bread and all your problems will be gone away because we can just redistribute everything vladimir lenin was the guy that was behind all this stuff. And when the people said, yes, we don't want any, we want just, we don't want any risk in our life. We just want the same opportunities. We want everybody to be the same. So the Bolsheviks got their vote, just like the Democrats are trying to persuade uh, voters to accept this socialism, communism stuff. And three years after 1917, 
the Bolsheviks took everything back. And these people became slaves of the communists. And Cheryl, that stuff, you know, like I, like I, when I wrote that paper in 1991, to me it was like a fantasy. I got an A on the paper. I got an A in economics too throughout all the classes. But when that paper was written, I should have kept it. I said, this would never happen in the United States. This would never happen, Cheryl. And now we're seeing, you know, that we, we we're starting to see our country tiptoe into this area of communism. So, Cheryl, here's my next question. Okay, so we, we see that the national GOP is not helping most candidates, and it's no secret. Everyone is talking about it. I got friends in Los Angeles that are running for office. I got, you know, people in New York that know it, know about it, people in Florida that know about it, people in Texas that know about it. Why do you think, if you could, if you want to comment on this, why do you think the national GOP, in my opinion, maybe not yours, but in my opinion, has gone into hiding on these issues that we're facing right now? Mm, I... I would say probably more or less because they're afraid. They they're afraid to step up to the plate. They're afraid to show that hey, look, this country is going down the wrong path, and we need to do something about it. Because they're 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 letting socialism overtake their uh, their ideology and their narrative. They're more or less going towards the uh, socialist narrative as opposed to because they're afraid to step on toes more or less. Mm-hmm. That's how I would. Mm-hmm. That's how I would think. You know, I mean, it's like uh, it just. I I'm nobody special, Rick. I am. I am nobody special. Okay, but I have the ideology. I mean, I'm not. I'm not an established politician. I'm not a rich millionaire or billionaire. I don't have to buy the election. If I get the election, I want to earn this election. I want to make people know that I am in their corner and I'm not going to stand by with the demo, you know, on the side of the democratic socialist agenda. I want to be for the people. And I think that's what a lot of the problem is with the, with the GOPs and the rhinos and so forth because they're afraid to stand up to the, to the agenda. They're afraid to stand up to the socialism. And I'm not because it, it time, it, it's time for us to, to become a country again to where we, the people, are formed, where they work for us. We don't work for them. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's, uh, you know, in in the uh, Declaration of Independence, I think within the first two paragraphs, it says life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And uh, that is something that even my grandfather, who was a World War Two veteran, uh, he was in Germany, uh, you know, trying to you know catch Adolf Hitler. And uh, when he came back and of course, I was not born yet, but when he came back and he worked as a house builder there in Tampa, Florida. I remember when he died, his son was in Vietnam. So my family, I have dozens, well not probably like 14, 15, you know, uncles, and if I add the cousins in there, probably about 20 males that have, you know, uh, joined the military. Some went to war. I got uncles that have, you know, about five or six uncles that went to Vietnam. And here's the deal: when my grandfather died, Cheryl, I was the only male in the country. To get his flag so at 10 years old when he died i got his flag and the, and the you know the um, the honor guard when they do do the salute 
they put the flag in my lap because I was the only male that could accept the flag. You know, because my his uh, his uh, his wife had had my grandmother had passed away. His his wife, my grandmother Juanita, had passed away. So it was me, and you know, it was just a, it was a sad state. So at an early age, I figured out that if my grandfather thought this country was worth fighting for, that inspired me to just have this focus of. Yeah, I'm a black male in, in in the U.S. and people like to say, "Oh, you know, you're not, you know, given all the rights you should have." And I'm and I'm I'm going BS. I have all the rights. I have the same rights as everyone else. That's why I am so disappointed with all this uh, CRT stuff. What is this? What is that? Cathode yes. ray tube? What is that? Cathode ray tube? Or what does that stand for again? Critical, Critical race, race theory. theory. <laughs> when, I, when I saw the when I saw the CRT, I'm thinking military. I'm thinking because I was an electronics person, so I'm saying CRT. Yeah. That's cathode ray tube. They said no, it's critical race theory. But you know that's that's that whole thing is a bunch of crap as far as I'm concerned. But um, so Cheryl, you mentioned the money and the, and the people who run for office. A lot of them have come from. Uh, you know, they, 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 they've come from, they would come with, with silver spoons in their mouth, so to speak, where they're, you know, real established. Maybe they have several million dollars in the bank. Maybe they're from Wall Street. And that has been the trend in our country. The trend in our country has been, look at that shiny metal object. That man or woman has a resume unbelievable. They work at this, they worked at this big company in, in New York. They come from this, uh, big, um, organization, they, they, they did this and they did that. And what we are seeing now, Cheryl, is that a lot of these people, especially these 80 recent Republicans that voted to fund the vaccine mandate, we, we see a lot of people that when they get into office, they say, screw the people that sent me to, to Washington, D.C., and they decide that they want to follow their own agenda or maybe somebody else's somebody else's agenda talk about how you feel about shiny metal objects you know running for office and winning and then they they look at the american people and they say aha i tricked you you sent me to office and now i'm not going to represent you since you know, after you voted for me talk about well, that it's it's just like you were saying about the Bolshevik Revolution. You know, the Soviets, they promised them food, they promised them money, they promised them incentives and everything. You, you vote for me and, and you'll get all this. And then once they voted for them and put them in office, they ended up turning their backs on these people. Some of them were being thrown into internment camps and 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 being, you know, shunned and, and taking everything that they were given away after these politicians and, and, and whatnot got into office. Well... I'm not like that. I, I'm not going to sit there and say, okay, you know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Um, I, I worked hard all my life for everything that I've got, okay? I've been married for almost 40 years. My husband and I, we live on his re military retirement paycheck, and I'm not here for the money. I'm not here to, to promise you this and to promise you that because I see what's going on. Whereas you get these politicians that, like for Pritzker, for example, he's, he's one of the richest governors in, in, in the country. So he's pretty much, in, in, in my opinion, this is my opinion, he's pretty much using his money to buy the election. 
look at me. I've got all this money. I can do this for you. I can give this for you. And then once he gets elected, everything that he promised is out the door because it doesn't fit his narrative or his agenda. Well, I'm not going to be like that. And once again, I'm not an established politician. I'm not a rich person. Um, I've worked hard for everything that I've had. And I want the people of Illinois to support me because they know that I'm going to support them. I want their trust and I'm going to earn that trust. And to, to be, I mean, for example, uh, I have been approached by um, uh, uh, certain certain people that have promised me incentives if I drop out of the race or if I drop down to a lower uh, uh, election, okay? For example, instead of running for governor, they, they've asked me, well, have you ever thought about running for maybe a state seat or, or a mayoral uh, seat or whatever? That's not what I wanted. When I put my hat in the ring, I wanted to work for the people of Illinois. I wanted to show them that there is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Unlike the silver spoon people who this trust fund babies, these people that are using their money. Okay, well, you know, uh, I've got all this money. Vote for me, and I'll share it with you, and or whatever, however they put it. We need to step up to the plate and show these people with these money, show these people that were born with a silver spoon in their mouth that we're not going to stand for this anymore. We're going to have the people know that they have a person in. Springfield or in the governor's mansion that's going to work for them, not require them to work for us. Gerald, I'm, 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 I, I hoped that you wouldn't mention that topic about uh, people running for office and then uh, people being approached, you know, candidates being approached and being asked to run for something else and here's some money to do it. But since you mentioned it, I'm going to continue this conversation right now. I know of four candidates around the country, different different levels, that have been told, you know, I'm just going to say Joe. Okay, so if, if your name is Joe and you've been approached like this, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> Joe has been told, Joe, you're running for this congressional seat. Uh, you should not run for this congressional seat because we have someone else that we think should run for this seat and you should run for this seat over here or you should run for this position over here uh here's this money we will give you money to run over here instead of the race that you want to run in and if you sign this agreement you know we you can keep the money and you can run and there's some other details but that's the part that makes my stomach turn cheryl i did not know that uh, it was these kind of shenanigans going on uh, with, with these political campaigns where this money is being used to, to, to tell people, don't, don't do this, here's some money, go do that. And by the way, it's almost like, it's almost as if they got you for years. You know, I haven't seen one of these agreements, but you mentioned it as you were probably the fifth person that told me that these type of uh, not agreements, but that someone has called and said, "This is how, this is what I want you to do." And here's this money. So, um, like you said, I think this is an era of the common man and the common woman. And I'm not trying to say that if you're if you're wealthy, uh, you can't you you can't run for office or you wouldn't be a great candidate because we just saw Donald Trump, you know, run and uh, was very successful. Now, I think in his case, 
Uh, he started his campaign by saying, I'm not going to accept any money from outside, from, from uh, special interest groups and influencers. And I think that's what made people mad at him because they said, wait a minute, every politician accepts money. And Donald Trump said, I'm not taking your money. You know, I don't need your money. He was running for the American people. And that's the reason why he got uh, the attention of so many people. And just to let people know, I voted for Donald Trump as my first pick in, 19, in uh, 2016. He wasn't my last pick. He was my very first pick. And as soon as he said he was running, everyone else was, was out. And I picked him because he signs the front of a paycheck. And as a, as a business owner myself now and as someone who has worked uh, at a company of 50,000 people at a senior level, you know, the, the responsibility of, of, of succeeding starts at the top. And this guy, uh, Donald J. Trump, he understood that. And that's the reason why I voted for, for him. But like I was saying, uh, Cheryl, this is the year of the common man and the common woman. And you can find, uh, people can find that article on your website where we talk about the common man and the common woman. So uh, please tell me, what do you think about all of these um, fraudulent elections that have taken place in Arizona? And I can tell you it happens in California. It's been happening here in California so long. California, to let everyone know, is a red state. Let me repeat myself. California is not a blue state. It is a red state. But because the Democrats have been cheating here for so long, psychologically, people believe this is a liberal state. But I'm, I'm here to tell you it is not. If you go up the Central Valley of California from, from like Redding all the way down to Bakersfield, red. If you look at uh, uh, places in Southern California, the Riverside, uh, the Inland Empire, it's called San Diego, red. There's only pockets of what uh, people could consider being blue, maybe Los Angeles, San Francisco. But even now, Cheryl, those cities have said we reject what we see coming from the Democrats with all these mandates and lockdowns and losing your job because you don't take the jab. So that's why I'm letting people know, even in Illinois, I can tell you right now, I know people in, in, in Chicago and, and, and some of them were in the recording business and, and hip hop artists and DJs. And that's my background, too. I was, a, I was a club DJ in San Francisco. I will tell you this. The people in, in Chicago, they are done with the Democrats. They're just waiting to vote for you. So please talk about this Democrat, this fraud thing that you see happening all around the country. I had to vent. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Cheryl. Well, you mentioned that California is actually a red state. Well, funny thing is, Illinois is actually a red state as well. The only blue counties is Cook County, which is Chicago, and the county that I'm living in, St. Clair. But, the, but, but Illinois is predominantly a red state. So, I mean, we need to step up and, and start getting the word out for these people because, I mean, American voters, they don't, they don't want the, the behind-the-scenes wealthy politicians or whatever, uh, you know, with well-connected friends anymore. They want somebody that's going to stand up for them. Like, for example, you're talking about the uh, corruption in the election. Um, I, a group of friends of mine and I, through, through the past several years, we would get together on Xbox, yeah, 
I'm a I'm a big time Xbox player. Okay, kind of helps me relax a little bit with my coffee and whatnot in the morning. But we would get on there. Uh, all, everybody, you know, in the group was pretty much my age, fifty and over, and we would play this game. And they would there would be so many cheaters on this game. They would cheat to try to win. And what's funny is that no matter how much they cheated, they couldn't beat us old folks. We would always beat them. And I had a guy, one of the guys would say that if you have to cheat to win, you failed as a gamer. Well, the same thing goes with, with the politicians. If you have to fail, I mean, if you have to cheat to win an election, then you failed as a politician or as a representative to the people. So it's time that, that we need to, to strike push back against these powerful positions and these returning politicians that are using their money to buy these political offices that are are doing dealings under the table trying to to win the election we need to start getting our elections to where they're they're sound and they're they're legitimate and that's one of the things that I want to push forward to is I want to do a forensic audit on elections I want to make sure that all elections are fair and justly done Yep, yep. And so, Cheryl, you've been holding back some information. I did not know that you were an Xbox gamer. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm an ex. Um, it's pretty much um, when when my husband and I first got married. Naturally, there was no internet. Uh, my son was born in '86, and uh, as he grew up, we would get his first game console was a Super Nintendo. And I used to sit and play games with him on the Super Nintendo and, and you know, kind of like quality time, you know, where, where parents read books to their kids and so forth and so on. Well, he was born during the age when the game systems were starting to come out. Well, then back in 89 or it was 89 or 90 or whatever is when the Internet started hitting the, the market and uh, uh, the Xbox came out and he was all excited to put it online. So mom would sit there and play with him online and so forth. And one thing led to another and... Every year for my birthday or for Christmas, he would buy me one of my favorite gaming games, uh, Call of Duty. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop for a second. Stop for a second. You you were saying saying that your kid was the Xbox, so did you push your kid out of the way and start playing the Xbox yourself? No, 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 no. He it's still his Xbox, (laughs) but I would play I mean one of the biggest things my daughter loved to play was Tekken. And she was so good at that game. So mom would sit down and I'd suffer through this boring game, Tekken. And, you know, just just to spend some time with my kids. Well, one thing led to another and Call of Duty came out or Medal of Honor for the PlayStation. And I started playing that. And every year now, whenever there's a new one, my son gets me the new one and we play online. He's got to the point where he doesn't like to play online anymore. But mom does. Mom's, <laughs> mom's got her little her little clique of, uh, you know, her little uh, group of friends that, you know, like my and, and and about the same age and we we just we we like to relax and play in front of the xbox okay so now you gave me a new demographic uh po- political demographic to go after we have to go after, after oh. the x the xbox gamers i didn't know that you so you're missing you're missing probably <laughs> millions of people who would support you cheryl see when we when we did the interview you did, you did not mention the xbox gamers well, so I, get, I get the well. We get to put that on your 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 political uh, resume uh, when we print your marketing material. We'll put that at the top, by the way. Xbox gamer. So <laughs> Xbox gamer. Topic, yes, yes. This next topic, Cheryl, is 
is one that eats me alive from inside, and I think you know where I'm going with this. So, Barack Obama, Illinois' finest. He, in, in my opinion and my research, he used this book by a guy named Saul Alinsky, Rules for Radicals. And this Rules for Radicals book uh, was deployed on the American people, and it changed the way people look at themselves. It used a lot of psychological things uh, that, that, that happens uh, within this book called Rules for Radicals. I recommend every uh, Illinois person uh, look it up, especially if you are a Democrat, because the Rules for Radicals, that book was used on Democrat voters to make them feel bad about many different things. And I just want to um, just read some of the – one of the, the eight control uh, points about rules for radicals. Uh, President Obama, Illinois' finest, he was like a student of this guy Saul Alinsky, you know, and Hillary Clinton also uses some stuff out of this book. So let me just read some of the control measures uh, from rules for radicals so that the Illinois people and anyone listening around the country will know how they were manipulated to make make these people feel that they were bad or that somebody else was bad. Here you go. Healthcare. The first item in rules for radical is for Democrats or communist socialists who control health care and you control the people. Poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control. Let me say that another way. Black people are easier to control and will not fight back if you're providing everything for them to live. Just a side note, I know that white people are also also live in poverty, and there are probably just as many, if not more, white people on welfare than black people. But the point is, it's in the rules for radicals. Then, then, then there's debt. Here's, here's number four, gun control. Remove the ability to defend themselves from the government. That way you're able to create, wait for it, a police state. And let's get down to number six, education. Take control of what people read and listen to. Take control of what children learn in school. We ha That's right in our face right now. And here's the last one, class warfare. Divide the people into the wealthy and the poor. This will cause more disconnect and it will be easier to tax the wealthy with the support of the poor. Now, Cheryl, this is from the book Rules for Radicals, and the book was written in 1971. Um, how do you feel knowing that maybe half the people, if not more, in Illinois have been manipulated by Illinois' finest, President Obama, with this book Rules for Radicals? I, I'm not in favor of it at all. I'm, I mean, the people of Illinois, they deserve better than this. They deserve better. They deserve better health care. They deserve to not be in poverty. They deserve to have uh, a, a control over defending their families and their livelihood and even their businesses. Um, it's, it's just it's a shame that that Obama started this back way, way back. And it, it's just progressed further and further into the oblivion of Saul Linsky's book, Rules for Radicals. It's becoming more and more 
uh, announced that this is the, exactly the way it's going. I mean, it's like George Orwell's 1984, Big Brother's watching. Yes, they're watching. They are controlling and manipulating, you know, not just necessarily uh, Illinois politicians, but the, the every politician on the Democrat side is controlling. They want to control our lives, and it's, it's a shame. It's got to stop. Yeah, that's right. And just to let people know, um, one of the, the newest control point under class warfare is the, the class warfare weapon of vaccinated versus unvaccinated. You can see what's happening in New York and you can see what's happening in California and probably there in, in, in Illinois and Washington and Oregon. Any place a Democrat is in charge, what they're trying to do is say, you know, you know, vaccinated, good unvaccinated bad we're going to create this division knowing that 99.7 percent of the people that get whatever this thing is called what is it called now the uh, oh my gosh no i'm sorry omicron virus i thought it was oh my god oh my gosh virus <laughs> uh, that's probably coming next or the imbecile virus but 99.7 percent of the people survive <laughs> whatever it is and just me I, you don't have to say anything but for me this thing is just the flu, but you know that's just my opinion. But so the Democrats are dividing people into these classes where these people are now, you know, at each other. Oh, you're not vaccinated, and the other person says, "Well, no, I'm not vaccinated, but you are. <laughs> Why should I have to worry about being vaccinated and catching something when you you are vaccinated by the you're vaccinated by the third, fourth, fifth time?" But that's just the class warfare angle. If a person gets gets the jab, more power to them. It's it's a should be a personal choice, but to but to put and pit and pit people against other people, that's what the Democrats are good at. And finally, we got about maybe seven minutes. I want to say this: this election, as I see it around the country, is probably I'm talking about the 2022 election. See, back you know 20 years ago, if a Republican won. An election. The Democrats were mad. They were like, oh, man, the Republican won the election. Man, I'm mad. So they would be mad for two weeks or maybe a couple of months. But guess what? They had a job. They had their families. They, they could send their kids to school. They could take vacations. They could have barbecues in the backyard. If the Democrat won, if you look at the other side of the coin, if the Democrat won instead of the Republicans, the Republicans were mad. But guess what? That would last for about maybe two weeks or a couple of months, and the Republican could go on about his life or her life and go to work, run the business, send the kids to school, take vacations, have, have barbecues in the backyard. This upcoming election is not going to be like the other elections because uh, now, just to let people know, if you haven't thought about this before, this is not about Republicans versus Democrats. That horse has left the barn. And if I can use that phrase, this horse has left the barn as a city boy, <laughs> I'm a city boy, <laughs> that horse has left the barn, that should tell people something. You're not voting, the people listening to this show, you're not voting for the D's and R's anymore. The election is about the people who want to take us further down socialism into communism versus people who are running for office who want to keep people, let people keep their freedoms. This is almost like, like what Hitler was doing 
to his country and his and his uh, plan to rule the world. And I believe it's financed by China. That's just my opinion. So Cheryl, do you have any uh, closing comments? And again, your site is ericssonforgovernor.net. And uh, Cheryl is happy to speak with people. She wants to work for the donations of uh, $50 or more or $25 or more. And here's the thing. There's so many uh, politicians that continue to ask for money. Like you donate one week and then three, three days later they say, oh, we need more money. Cheryl's not going to do that. There are so many people that Cheryl wants to connect with that she's not going to repeatedly ask the same person for money over and over again. So Cheryl, please close us out in, in the next two minutes. Well, I just want everybody to know that my intentions are to give the people of Illinois back their freedoms and their choices. Because trying to go along with the Democrats' narrative where they're losing their freedoms and their choices, I'm here to protect those choices of the people. I'm here to protect them from the socialist Democrats like J.B. Pritzker. And I want to give the hardworking families back their lives. It's time to, to let people go back to their lives. It's time to let people... Uh, I mean, taking rights away from parents to raise their children. That's just unheard of. And I'm going to give, I'm going to give the people back their lives. I'm going to work for the people. So I just want, want everybody in Illinois to know that I'm going to work for you. I'm not going to make it to where you work for me. I'm not going to uh, sugarcoat anything. I'm going to be your voice. So what, is, so what does Mira stand for? Mira, Mira means make Illinois right again, and that's what I intend to do. Because right now, Illinois what's your is slogan wrong. about about your uniform. What's your slogan? Oh yes, yes. I may not wear my uniform still, but I still work for the people. Absolutely, All right. excellent, excellent. All right. So for the last two minutes, I'm gonna continue on. Thank you, Cheryl. And again, Cheryl's website is uh, is ericksonforgovernor.net. Erickson for governor.net. Uh, tomorrow on the Real People USA sh show, we're going to have a congressional candidate, Ruben Young. His website is RubenYoungForCongress.net, and he will be a guest for the hour, and he will talk about uh, his race against Debbie Wasserman Schultz and or perhaps uh, Frederica Wilson. They're still doing the district districting thing down there in sunny South Florida. So tomorrow's guest will be Reuben Young, Army veteran. Uh, he's been a fighter since 1989. He knows uh, all about South Florida politics and how, again, another metropolitan area where they cheat. They cheat at the local level. They cheat at the county uh, election level. And uh, Reuben has all the details about that. And he will talk about how uh, residents in the 305 and the 786 and the 954 and whatever other area code that's down there can help Reuben Young successfully run for Congress. And just to let you know, Reuben Young received 278,000 votes in the last election when he ran for the county clerk in Miami-Dade County. So this, this guy brings with him uh, at least like 275, 300,000 votes uh, for his run for Congress uh, there in sunny South Florida, Miami-Dade County, and Broward County. My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA, and I'm the host of the Real People USA show. Come back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern, and we will continue our conversations 
about real people in the USA. Take care and make it a great day.